Just a quick note, this is part one of a two-part series which both discuss death and suicide. If you or someone you know is feeling depressed or you need to talk to someone, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, and there'll be more info in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. Once upon a time, dollhouses weren't playthings. Starting back in the 1600s, the Dockin House or Miniature House wasn't meant for kids. Instead, it was a kind of ostentatious display of wealth and the pastime of very wealthy women. It was a big deal. You know, before television and the internet, people had time on their hands. The houses were handcrafted by the best artisans. Each tiny chair could take as long as a real one to make. And in an upscale part of Chicago, in 1930, there were once two women, both wealthy socialites. And these two women were both grandmasters of creating beautiful, immaculate dollhouses. One of the women was Narcissa Nyblack Thorne. Narcissa Thorne did a series of really beautiful miniatures, ballrooms, grand hallways, foyers. Meanwhile, her neighbor Frances Glesner Lee was also making her own incredibly detailed miniatures. She did a miniature of the entire Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Wow. It's, just, it's mind-boggling. But along the way, something changed for Frances Glesner Lee. While her neighbor continued to make beautiful living rooms and foyers, Frances began to create a collection of miniature scenes unlike any other in the world. Collection of 18 dioramas, exquisitely detailed, furnished, and they all feature uh, little dolls representing dead people. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, your guide to the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. This is part one of a two-part series, and today we're visiting the office of the chief medical examiner in Baltimore, Maryland, home to those 18 macabre miniatures. Together, they're known as the nutshell studies of unexplained death, tiny dollhouses which had a huge impact on the field of criminal investigation. And we'll hear the story of Frances Glesner Lee, the incredible woman who made them. You know, she is the mother of forensic science and popular culture, yet people don't know who she is. That's after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. 
My name is Bruce Goldfarb. I am the executive assistant to the chief medical examiner for the state of Maryland. So why would someone end up there? What is the circumstance where a body ends up in your building? Well, I, I don't want to harsh or mellow, but yeah. everybody dies. <laughs> now, most people die in a hospital or yeah. in a nursing home where they're known to have some medical condition. Uh, about 10% die from conditions that are obviously unnatural, such as an injury or violence. And about uh, 10% die under conditions that aren't immediately explained. They died during their sleep. They didn't show up for work. They're out in the yard or in a vehicle or just somewhere, and we don't know what happened. It basically runs like a clinic or a hospital where the patients are dead and the doctors are diagnosing why they died. This is the work of the chief medical examiner. And in the building where Bruce works, they're investigating cases of unexplained deaths, from sudden heart attacks to accidents to murders. But the Maryland office is unique because it's currently also the home of those 18 dioramas of death. Or, as they're properly known, the nutshell studies of unexplained death. How did you end up sort of becoming unofficially in charge of of the nutshell studies? Really, it came down to I was the low man in the totem pole. Now that you're a problem, you can deal with it. You change the light bulbs. It's all, you know. So, <laughs> okay. Bruce isn't joking. He's the one who changes out the tiny toy train lights and flashlight bulbs that are used in the dioramas. But he's also underselling himself. Bruce was a journalist before he got the job, and he'd previously written about the history of the nutshells. So it made sense for him to oversee them when he started working at the medical examiner's office. And over the time he's been their steward, they've become kind of famous. A stabbing with an adorable knife. These charming dollhouses on display are, in fact, miniature death scenes. I have never seen a dollhouse like this. There's been a documentary about them, multiple books, and they were recently shown as part of a Smithsonian exhibit, and both CSI and NCIS have done episodes inspired by them. And it's no surprise, because they're incredible. Each one is immaculate and horrifying. They're beautifully crafted and, and tragic to contemplate. Each scene is based on real-life cases. Take, for example, the three-room dwelling from 1937. There is a cutaway of the first floor of a home, a very nicely furnished living room with little books on the bookshelves and a little floor lamp that works. And there's a, a dead woman, you know, face down on the stairs. And then there's the barn, a two-story wooden barn made from actual barn wood where a farmer hangs from an apparent suicide. The diorama includes a little story which interweaves with all the details that you can see. This farmer, his name is Eben Wallace, he's a disagreeable fellow and, and a manipulative guy, and he would threaten to hang himself to get his way until his wife uh, gave in. And so he would go into the barn and go through this whole ritual and put the rope around his neck, and he usually stood on a, uh, a bucket. Um, but his wife left the bucket on top of the water pump that's on the side of the barn. And instead, he stepped down what looks like an orange crate, 
which was not strong enough to hold his weight, and he fell through it. So there's no question he's hanging from the rope, and all the evidence suggests that he did that himself, but did she... Did she purposefully move that bucket? Maybe it's a homicide, sort of facilitating that. There's the woodman's shack, the burn cabin, the red bedroom. Each scene is a masterpiece, built by Francis Glesner Lee. Each detail was carefully considered. Blood splatter was added with exacting detail, with Francis daubing on each bit of blood using tiny dollops of nail polish. Francis Glesner Lee, who made the dioramas spared no expense in furnishing them. She paid to have real front-page newspapers photographically reduced and made into a print block for a single impression, and that was it, just to have a newspaper that was sitting there on the floor, crumpled up. Um, There's a Newsweek magazine from September 1943, I believe it is, and even though the magazine is laying there with the cover up, you pick it up and you look on the back side, there's an advertisement that is actually the advertisement from that issue of the magazine. Wow. Francis Klesner Lee was absolutely obsessive about those kinds of details. These were not the grand ballrooms and foyers of her neighbor Narcissa Thorne. These were tragic scenes representing largely the poor, the neglected, the marginalized. 18 scenes of unexpected death, the kinds that police officers of the time might have actually encountered. So why did Frances Glesner Lee, a well-to-do socialite, at this point a grandmother, switch from creating miniature versions of the symphony orchestra to tiny, perfectly detailed scenes of death? She lived the life of a socialite for most of her life, and it wasn't until 1929 when she spent time with a pioneering medical examiner uh, by the name of George Burgess McGrath, uh, who was the medical examiner in Boston. He told her stories about his work and explained the concepts of uh, the medical examiner system. Francis was an early reader of Sherlock Holmes. And after talking to George McGrath, she was surprised to learn that in reality, the field of what we would call forensic investigation didn't really exist before 1945, homicide detectives, police officers, had no training in forensic science. So they would put the fingers through bullet holes in clothing and uh, move the body and these sorts of things. After she spent time talking with McGrath in the summer of 1929, Frances Glesner Lee decided to dedicate her life to creating the field of legal medicine, basically to making a system for investigating death scenes. So in 1931, she endowed the first-ever Harvard Department of Legal Medicine. In 1945, she established an endowment in McGrath's memory to create the Harvard Associates in Police Science. And everything that she did was in her last decades of life. Wow. Even the nutshells of unexplained death, Frances didn't start working on those until she was well into her 60s. She made them because she knew that they would have a purpose— Blending her old hobby with her new mission, she created these 18 dioramas not as dollhouses but as tools, meant to teach people looking at scenes of death and tragedy how to actually see them. It would have been great to take the whole class to a a real crime scene, but you can't do that. (laughs) And you can't always count on a scene when you need it, you know. So um, it was the next best thing was to make little reproductions, little miniature crime scenes. 
To this day, each year, a highly coveted seminar is held, the Francis Glesner Lee Seminar on Homicide Investigation. And it's done just as it was when it began in 1945. The students, who are all generally homicide detectives, are given a flashlight and a magnifying glass and told to examine the dioramas to try and identify all the details that matter. They spend as much time looking at these dioramas as pretty much as they do as a real crime scene. Uh, Some of them spend hours. The dioramas are based on amalgamations of real cases. And there is a folder with those original cases kept under lock and key in the Maryland Medical Examiner's Office. But these seminars aren't about solving the nutshells. They're about learning how to look. It, It really is about observing things that may be significant. You have to recognize evidence so you can preserve it, so you can process it correctly, so you can interpret it correctly. CSI in New York, CSI Miami, NCIS New Orleans. At this point, it feels like every city has its own crime scene procedural. And of course, there are the podcasts. Serial, Criminal, My Favorite Murder, all great and part of an ever-expanding world of true crime podcasts. But prior to Francis Glesner Lee, crime scene investigation was barely even a field. Earl Stanley Gardner, the creator of Perry Mason, dedicated one of his books to Francis Glesner Lee. And even the first forensic drama, a 1950 movie called Mystery Street, was directly inspired by Francis Glesner Lee's work. The police said, this man murdered Vivian Heldon. The scientist said, don't be too sure. Francis Glesner Lee was a uh, uh, independently wealthy grandmother with no formal training who revolutionized forensic science. And she is truly the mother of forensic science. Everything that we come to know in a CSI-type crime scene investigation, whether it's in real life or in popular culture from watching the shows, that's all directly traceable to Frances Glisner Lee and the work that she did at Harvard Medical School. The nutshell studies of unexplained death may be the most visible part of Frances Glesner Lee's legacy, but they're only a small part of it because her fight for creating a system of legal medicine where determining the cause of death is done by trained professionals is still very much underway. On part two of this two-part series, we walk down the hall from the nutshells to another special room to learn just how cause of death is actually determined in America. On part two, we go from miniature recreations to full-scale reenactments. Yeah, I like saying that the Scarpetta House is the most violent room in Baltimore. And I get to try my hand at being a corpse. And did she say to you, do you want to be a dead body? Yeah, basically. She was like, I have this really cool opportunity for you. (laughs) Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Tracy Samuelson, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. And this episode was sound designed by John Delore. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. See you tomorrow. Witness Docs from Stitcher.
Hi, all. This is Dylan, and I have a favor to ask of all of you listeners out there. Um, We don't do this often, but we have something really big happening, which is we are publishing our next big book. It is called Gastro Obscura. And like Atlas Obscura, it covers the entire world, but this time through the lens of food and drink. So if you want to learn the history of how spam spread across the world and made countless incredible new dishes or the backstory behind butter sculpture and uh, the beautiful monastery that makes incredible mead that you can only get there, this is that book. It really takes you all around the world and gives you the stories behind incredible ingredients, recipes, dishes, all of that. So Hopefully this sounds interesting to you. If it does, please go check it out. Gastro Obscura, a food adventurer's guide. And please pre-order a copy. It makes an enormous difference to the success of the book. Uh, Hopefully you will find something that intrigues you. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big- 